Yeah, I hope you were joining in at home. Um, Long John Baldry uh, introducing uh, our guests from uh, Mexico. As always, um, it's Mr. John Bonfilio. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Good evening. I do yoga to that song now. <laughs> Why not? It's perfect for it. Perfect for it. Now, just as the uh, Euros have reached the quarterfinal stage, uh, so has the Copa America, and um, a very uh, a thrilling uh, quarterfinals just finished uh, over there. Peru three, Paraguay three goes to penalties, and uh, Peru are through on penalties. Well, yeah, a remarkable game, including two sendings off and. And just, you know, back and forth a little bit like, uh, you know, some of the amazing games in the, in the Euros have just been taking place, but two all into the 80th minute. And then the, Peru took the lead, 3-2. Everybody thought that was all over, but then it really wasn't because in the 90th minute, Paraguay equalized, taking it to, uh, to penalties. But I mean, Peru, I guess it goes to form a little bit. Paraguay have an, a decent side, but really Peru have had an up and coming side for a few years now. So really, I guess the strongest side one out there and currently taking place is Brazil and Chile uh, in the second quarterfinal. Chile had uh, started firing on all cylinders and we're really all over Brazil who had this particularly controversial game against Colombia that we spoke mm. about uh, last week but just after half time Brazil had taken the lead so uh, let's see what happens there over the course of the next half hour but Brazil has certainly had something of a crisis of confidence a little bit over the course of the last uh, week so they don't go flying into this match or even potentially the semis on, on quite the, on riding quite the wave that they were at the very beginning of the tournament where they were winning games 3-0, 4-0, 5-0 and so on. Yeah, and, and Peru uh, and Brazil, as, as you say, you know, they're having success in Copa America. I just wonder what's happening as far as the crowds go because Clearly, those are two of the countries with the, with the highest death rates and the uh, you know, the worst outbreaks of the pandemic in the whole world. And I'm just wondering if crowd if mass crowds are gathering for these uh, Copa America matches. No, they're not very much not. It's uh, essentially uh, uh, played behind closed doors in, in Brazil, which is as we know is you know suffering um, a third wave now. And actually, just yesterday. Uh, one of the, the main prosecutors in Brazil actually agreed to investigate the president, Bolsonaro, uh, for crimes against uh, health and his people for not taking the um, the pandemic seriously enough. So, no, it's, it's essentially a, uh, a very quiet, eerie spectacle um, as regards live live presence in uh, in the Copa America. Yeah, people watching on the TV though. I mean, will it uh, uh, will it sort of lift the mood in uh, Peru, for instance? You know, having uh, won that exciting match on penalties against Paraguay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, anything to lift the mood in Peru at the moment, given that their Congress are actually proposing bleach as a miracle cure for COVID. So yeah. I think anything that distracts them from um, from what's taking place there, including the fact that there's still no president that's been announced after the recent elections and so on so uh, abs yeah very definitely a pick me up for uh, for the country which is suffering you know for sure well as we know per capita uh, the highest death rate in the world in terms of um, the covid pandemic yeah and we're on the subject of elections um, presidential elections are due in Nicaragua later this year um, but at the moment President Ortega is um, is busy arresting uh, anyone who may run against him 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not just one or two people. As you say, basically anyone who has made any kind of, you know, uh, uh, inclination or, or stated that they're thinking about running against him, he's gone out and arrested. And he's not making any, he's not hiding behind it either. I mean, currently the top five candidates to be his, um, you know, his, uh, his, I guess, run off against him in the president, presidential election are currently now doing have been arrested uh, for a variety of different offences, and also a number of journalists who've questioned the process, businessmen and so on. Um, he's using this this new treason law that he passed a couple of years ago, which is a little bit like a number of terrorism laws that countries have passed recently, especially since uh, 2001, which is basically an open uh, an open store for um, for a number of people just to be arrested on, on spurious charges. And, and so essentially, because you've got a, a largely compromised judiciary in Nicaragua as well, largely appointed by Daniel Ortega, who's been president since 2006 and actually changed the constitution in order that he could still be president, uh, it's pretty easy for the judiciary to conflate what might be legitimate criticism of the state and the president with crimes against the state. So he's, yeah, he's locking everybody up left and right and center. So he's not even running, allowing himself to run the risk of losing the election in November because who on earth is going to stand against him? Yeah. Does he still have uh, any popular support? I mean, are there people who say, yeah, yeah, he's doing the right thing? No, only it's a little bit Venezuela, only the hardline party support of, Maduro of your Ortega now uh, really uh, stuck behind him but he's got the military and he essentially lost the streets in 2018 that was the big event when he passed this pension reform bill and then there were mass protests across the country and he brought the army out and over 300 people were uh, were killed and he invoked mass repression and so on and that's the point at which because he'd been both in the 80s when he was first appointed as president and he sort of represented the sandinistas against mm. the samosa di- dictatorship he was he was largely popular then he reinvented himself as a kind of a christian socialist uh semi-neoliberal strangely in in the mid-2000s but he still had largely popular support so he kind of straddled both sides of the of the political spectrum then but in 2008 it all went south for him and now you've got this really strange situation where i mean he actually hasn't appeared in public for um, for, for a fairly decent length of time now he actually appeared on Wednesday for the first time in about a year looking very frail but his wife who is the vice president uh, Rosario Murillo has uh, come out a number of times uh, to speak on his behalf a really really strange kind of mix of paranoia there's even kind of um, chat about satanist conspiracies against the presidency and so on but look if your wife is the vice president uh, that's never a good look vis-a-vis corruption is it yeah, absolutely not. Uh, the more I d- hear about uh, politics in, in uh, Latin America, the more it sort of resembles that Woody Allen film years and years ago, uh, Bananas, where he you know, went down and gave uh, his support. And then uh, as soon as the, you know, the, the, the liberals that he was backing got into power, they became, uh, you know, they became like a fascist government. And, uh, you know, the more you hear about uh, places like Nicaragua, the more you think it's exactly like uh, L, whatever it was in, uh, in Bananas. So it's an old film. I don't know whether you ever saw it. Yeah, and, and that's one of the problems with um, dem- these democracies in Latin America is they do have checks and balances in terms of limiting, you know, presidential terms and power and so on. But actually, it's not that difficult for a groundswell of popular opinion to, and uh, and the vote to go 
fully in favour of a particular candidate and allow them to then change the constitution and change the, the rules of the game to cement themselves uh, in place. Yeah. And of course, then your, your party loyalists and the people you've appointed and often the military as well, then have a vested interest in, in keeping you in power. And actually, with as regards Daniel, Daniel Ortega now, it really it's a power or death thing. I think they are now so paranoid that if they lose power, they're going to be tried for crimes against this, that or the other, that they're throwing everything at it because they know that the only way they can get through it is by maintaining their you know, stranglehold on power. And they're both in that, you know, husband and wife are both in their 70s. So how much is it kind of almost a, a number of commentators have suggested it's a kind of Ceausescu-esque uh, situation. But at some point, it's going to come crumbling down. But often again in Latin America, as with Maduro in Venezuela, these things have a habit of going on and on much longer than any you know, experts or commentators think that they ever would. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just finally, this is an interesting uh, idea you had, John, which we'll, uh, we'll go along with, um, because, you know, there are countries in Latin America that we know very little about. Uh, and uh, uh, what you suggested was an occasional series profiling different countries in the region. Let's uh, let's do that. Uh, and let's uh, start off with uh, Belize. We know this is this is Britain's little bit of uh, Central America, uh, formerly British on Tell me uh, a little bit about Belize, you know, what we should yeah, know this, about that country. I thought this is an interesting starting point because it is kind of a bit of a um, anathema to the rest of the region and what it's uh, surrounded by. I guess your, 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 your listener on your program, Will, who will know something about Belize, will be a holiday maker, perhaps, that's been out there, a kind of a scuba diver often because it's you know, one of the premier destinations in in the world after the Great Barrier Reef in Australia to go scuba diving, but also um, military. Uh, so in particular, the Royal Marines, but but a large number of, of uh, UK military will have gone and done their jungle training in Belize, formerly British Honduras, you know, since uh, since forever, because it's always been, you know, it had strong links to, uh, to the Commonwealth. And in fact, the Queen is still head of state. So you know, if you want to answer the question, who is the Queen of Belize? It is the Queen. Um, it's kind of strange, Belize, because it's kind of stuck between... I mean, it is very much in Latin America, but in many ways, it's more of a more of a Caribbean uh, nation. Mm. Um, English speaking, Creole speaking, a little bit of Spanish as well. Definitely has a um, a, a Mayan history and a Mayan tradition. I guess uh, it, geographically, it's important to, to to place it because it's in just south of Southeast Mexico and then surrounded by by Guatemala. So very much in the heart of Central America, but, but plays to different rules to all of the other countries. When we talk about the, the border between the U.S. and Mexico and uh, the countries that are sending, you know, that are having migrants go up there, Belize is, is much more stable than that and doesn't have such uh, quite a, a diaspora of, uh, of emigration that the other countries uh, do and really very unique in, uh, in the region. And also, I guess, internationally keeps hitting the headlines. I don't know whether it does over there in the U.K., but certainly here it does because Guatemala has never given up its claim to formerly British Honduras. So it still has a claim to over 50 percent of the country, which continually plays out uh, in the U.N. backwards and forwards between uh, between the two nations and is and is relatively hostile to the very existence of uh, of Belize. Yeah, that's interesting. And they, uh, they play cricket, obviously. They do. I, I have played cricket in Belize myself a number of times very and, and been thrashed, actually. And you wouldn't be surprised to hear in, in Belize because they are pretty good uh, at it. But as I uh, as, uh, has happened the last few times that I've been there, it's definitely one of those situations where when the ball gets hit uh, out of the ground, 
uh, you tend to have to go rustling around in the jungle for the lost ball. Um, and it's not an ideal situation in terms of creepy crawlies. And in particular, the noted, uh, the terrifying Ferdelang snake, which in Belize is known as the seven stepper, because on average, if it bites you, you're allowed, you get seven steps before you keel over uh, never to wake up again. Do you know, I'd let it go if the, if the ball went out. Just wild, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Field it slip, Martin. <laughs> indeed, mm. indeed. Um, John, uh, as always, thanks, uh, thanks ever so much. And we'll talk again next week, if that's okay. Take care. Good man. Uh, John Monfilia there, joining us from uh, Mexico. Right, well, look.